you get a chance. But also there's questionnaire cards in there for this question Q&A. We have some questions, but um, there's some questions if you have time and you want to write one down anonymously. We may send somebody out in a minute just to grab some of those. So hopefully there's pens there too. Um, but we'd like to welcome Ben and Buddy to the stage. Come on up here. Come on down. Buddy, where's your vest? Where's your vest? I didn't jank you at all. Somebody came in. I want to say this real quick. Uh, I think it was Daniel or Lauren who walked in. And somebody said, I know who's preaching today. And I was thinking, yeah, I got my preaching shoes on. But they were talking about his vest. <laughs> vest always trumps preaching shoes. Always. I don't know. These are pretty good preaching shoes. I've been preaching these for my a minute. My torso was overheated. I had to take it off. <laughs> but not your appendages. Everything no, is good with your arms. No, my appendages are great. Okay. Yeah. Okay, good. All right. Well, <clears throat> before, I've got a lot of information down there that we may or may not get to <laughs> the whole Bible. Um, but I also printed up some stuff to, to kind of go over. But what we want to talk about, we, we kind of, we planned this whole thing where each of us would speak kind of about New Covenant uh, Church and and c- kind of geared towards giving as well, but not just giving, but n- just New Covenant Christianity, New Covenant Church life, um, because that's what we are, right? And we're part of a New Covenant Church. And I would say that we're not necessarily a real traditional <laughs> church body. We're pretty diverse. And I think that's really cool. I think we have something really, really special here. Um, and so in doing so, we were kind of seeing where we were and even leading up to, to next week, we're going to try to talk about the budget and leading up to, towards these things. Um, we just wanted to kind of go over what that looks like and any questions you guys might have and kind of, uh, kind of have just a discussion between us all up here. We just thought it'd be fun. That's pretty much it. Should we um, mention the cards? The cards? Yeah, the question cards. I did. Oh, okay. You missed it? I was praying. He's <laughs> taking his vest off. <laughs> rearranging your wardrobe yeah there's there's questionnaire there's question cards there um we may stop in the middle and get somebody to gather them up and bring them up here um if, if we get to it so go ahead and fill those out and if not we can we can talk about them next week too something but but yeah they're there or wednesday night too we can talk about something then because some of the, the uh, we've got a few questions and some of them we can talk about a little bit this morning but some of them would require a lot more time and we don't want to spend the whole time on one question necessarily um so there are some that are a little be easier geared towards wednesday nights um, and I'm learning that as I go, not <laughs> drop bombs in here on Sundays and just, good luck, guys. So Wednesday nights are good for discussion, so I encourage you to come to that. But I will say this before we even get started in, in Q&A and discussion is um, we are a New Covenant Church, and what I love about our church is that we are unified in one thing, and that's Christ. Um, we <laughs> we come from lots of different backgrounds. and My mic is bad. Bad mic. Bad mic. Can I hold it like this? It's dying. Can Who's in charge mic? of microphones here? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Can you hand me my lapel mic? I'll just use it. We'll adjust. Is this one better? This is my old faithful. Works great, just tiny, tiny mic. <laughs> okay, what we're going <laughs> to I want everyone to take me seriously. <laughs> All right. So we are, we are a New Covenant Church. We do come together for one thing, and that's Christ, and, and we're thankful for the grace that he's given us all. Um, we, there will be many different uh, backgrounds and many different opinions on lots of different things, but that's one thing. We're not, we're not trying to brainwash anybody of one specific way of thinking, but we are trying to lead everybody to Christ here, and that's what we want to do inside and outside this church. You guys are the church, and we want to, in everything that we do, encourage that kind of life here on, on Sundays and, and that kind of life out there every other moment of your life during the week, so... Um, I just want to kind of put that out there on the front side, and, and we'll kind of book in that on, on both ends, beginning and end of this, that it is, it is Christ that we're here. It is his grace and his love that has brought us together and makes us a family, and that's the most important thing. So whatever else we talk about, just remember that. So um, That's pretty much all I got. You, you guys had a few questions, uh, unless I don't want to break out into a full sermon here, but you guys had a few questions we can discuss, or you guys want to... You got anything you want well, to talk about? Uh, oh, we can go over each thing that we talked about. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's what we talked about. Um, I talked about giving in my sermon. We're kind of go over that. Uh, <laughs> I said something scandalous. Ben said, "I said that if always, if, always scandalous." I said if you were <clears throat> if you were giving out of compulsion or fear, or obligation to stop giving, and it was take a big gasp, <gasps> stop giving. And the reason I said that is to try to get your attention because I really want to get your attention because the goal for our church and for me as a pastor is not to get you to give more money. That's not our goal. Um, our goal is to get you closer to the Lord. 
And so to me, if you stop giving for a season and you draw near to the Lord, I'm confident in the Holy Spirit to lead you and to give how he wants you to give. And to me, that's what the church is about. He's the one that's leading what we do here, not me or us or you guys. We're, we're listening to the Holy Spirit and how we operate. And so I, all, I said in my sermon, all my eggs are in one basket. We can't go back to the law. We can't go back to old covenant promises that we weren't even invited to anyway. What did you say? Do, 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 do. <laughs> Newsflash. 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 We're arguing over a covenant you weren't even invited into. Um, so we, we, we are invited in the new covenant. Um, and so we're thankful for God's grace. And in doing so, my job as pastor is to give you guys the freedom because the mature believer has freedom and discovers who they are and why they do what they do, including giving. Um, and so I want you guys to hear from the Holy Spirit and how you give. And I'm confident the Holy Spirit will lead you um, in, in drawing near to him and, and giving because that's who he's created you to be. And I'll leave that with you guys. I'm not going to keep beating you over the head with it. It is what it is. And, uh, and so, yeah, that's kind of the gist of it. I don't want to take up too much time. What did you talk about, Ben? Um, well, I talked about I talked about the about tithing. Just really got into the fact of why to, you know the I, I did mention my opinion is the reason why a lot of churches stick with the idea and the doctrine of tithing it doesn't have anything to do with the doctrinal mandate. It has everything to do with the bottom line of of of, of just needing money. And um, I think well intentioned and even unwell intentioned, you know people have tapped into the idea that you know that churches is, is Jesus is, is very marketable because they they've really played on the idea of man's need to want to be close to God and and because it's in man's man's desire wants to wants to be able to feel or or, or should I, say, I I think I put it this way is you know man operates with God naturally in a deficit and Jesus took care of that so when you preach the gospel, you're relieving, you're, you're reminding them that deficit is gone. Right. And if you do that, then you can no longer press tithing to get what you need out of people to pay for the bottom line. Now, the bottom line is this. Even pure grace, we have a bottom line. You know what <laughs> I mean when it comes down to finances and what we need to be able to have come in and having a budget and we're going to be talking about that next week. But before we even got into our bottom line, we wanted to make sure we're on the same page when it comes down to our giving. It is, it's not out of compulsion. It's not out of obligation. We give because we are givers, and that's who we are, and that's who Father made us to be. Right. So we just dove right into Scripture and looked at Malachi. Some of you laughed and you said, man, I haven't heard those verses in a long time, but Malachi... When he talks about the that, you know, we have, you know, he talks about rob. You notice that he used the term rob God. Would you rob God? You know the differences between stealing and robbing? When you rob somebody, you use force. You know what I mean? We, we, would you rob God? Give me all your money, God. You know what I mean? This is, give, give it here. And that's the terminology that uh, we utilize, that, that's utilized there. And it's a lot of that was, was fear-driven and obligation-driven on us to force us to feel like we have to give. If we don't, God is going to get it anyway. And that's very commonplace in church today. And it would not be uncommon in many churches around. You're going to hear something like that, but not here because of Jesus, because of his finished work, because of new covenant Christianity. That's what motivates us and drives us, and that's the foundation on which we stand. So. What did you talk about? Did you talk last week? Uh, from what I understand, I talked about swivel chairs, King Kong, and porta potties. That's all the reports right. I've heard back. It was the, the fun one. uncle, right? What's that? Which I have the fun one, uncle. The, the fun uncle. Yeah, you do have one. Yeah. That is. He did mention I have a porta potty at my house. He does have one in front now, of his house. This has nothing to do with what we're talking about. But at you'd all. be surprised how many people stop and use my porta potty. Exactly. And I live on a, on a dead end road. So either somebody is going to their house or they're leaving their house, stopping <laughs> using the bathroom. Right. Yes, a porta potty. Yes. At and a construction site at my house for a while. Yeah. Go and ahead. And give the disclaimer. You got to make because he does live in Irvington right. as well. I just well, don't so. have one. Just to have one. That's for guests. Right, That's right. out by the road. Yes. <laughs> just walk three acres that way. You'll. <laughs> So that's pretty much it. Yeah, that's uh, what we did. But, uh, no, we talked about the headship of Christ and uh, what that means within the local church. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, well, not even just in the local church. That's 
a term that's just stuck in my brain from being, you know, having read too many books on a Bible college, I think, but the church in general, you know, particular, and for us as an individual group of people, what it means to have Christ as the head, uh, what it means to operate from the life that he's given us. And I know sometimes I use very technical terms that can be a, a downfall for me sometimes because, I don't know, it's just the way my brain functions, you know. At least it does function. I mean, the, uh, on many occasions it just doesn't. It's like a flat line up there. Because so, ladies, when you ask a man what is he thinking about and he says nothing, he is really thinking about nothing, I promise. <laughs> and we're just sitting there staring at the wall. It's nice. And you should try it sometimes. <laughs> and... Uh, it is very soothing. I mean, you don't need lavender with man brain. You just... <laughs> no essential oils, nothing. You just flatline that thing. Yeah, exactly. Me, me and Doug need to stop talking. This is going to go south quick. But uh, I don't There's other people I here. Yeah, I know. There are. It's normally not like this if you're visiting. It's usually much more chaotic. But... Uh, <laughs> But uh, we talked about what is the functional life of Christ, and I know that sounds kind of technical, and I don't want it to be stuffy, but the fact of the matter is is that if you have life in you, it does function. It just doesn't sit there motionless or, you know, with, with no activity. Uh, but there is not necessarily an activity or behavior, but we talked about the fruit that comes forth uh, out of just allowing Christ's life to be our life, and our life is intertwined with his now, like we talked about in Galatians 2.20. Uh, where Paul said, you know, I can't remember the verse right now, but you know it. You have it memorized, and I'm proud of you for that. Where he talks about, I'm crucified with Christ. There it goes. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. So Paul was like, well, it's not just me, and it's not just Jesus. It's Jesus and I, or Jesus and me, and me and Jesus. And it's we us. talked about us. It's Is it us? us? That's right. Is it? I don't us. know. You mean you went to the same high school. I don't right. know if I trust your English there. but. Right. Uh, Trust me, there's somebody out there it's, that it's will no set me straight. Jesus, I'm not going to name me, any names. It's, it's us. Isn't that but, beautiful? Uh, it's this us. is us. It is yeah. us. It's an us thing. So that's what we talked about and uh, how, how that plays out as far as Jesus actually being our head corporately, but also individually. Because we're not always here. I mean, stop and think about it. How much time do you really spend, quote, unquote, first off, you don't go to church. I hope you just flush that statement out of your mind. Church is not a place, it's people. You get together with the church, you don't go to it. You know, this is just what keeps the weather off of us. And, uh, and it does so in a very fashionable manner. Uh, but uh, this is just where we meet, you know. We do have pallet wood. We do have pallet wood. It's, it's pretty fancy. That uh, actually used to be a pallet wood coffee table they took apart to make a pallet wall. So, hashtag relevant. Upcycle, hashtag upcycle. Yeah, upcycle, yep. Anyway. All right. So, <laughs> end of speech. Squirrel. Squirrel. <laughs> so, the few, we didn't get a whole lot of questions. We only got a handful of questions, so I blame you guys for this. Yeah, and fill out more while you're out there. You should yeah. be looking down, writing questions down. Relevant questions, mind you. Nick. But one of the questions we did, uh, we'll, we'll cover one of them. I don't, I don't want to. Uh, does anybody have, any, anybody have one that you have written out? That Andrew's going to come over there and grab from you? Just hold it in the air. I did have a question that somebody asked me after I, I taught about Ananias and Sapphira. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, it was a very good question. And I, I, is everybody familiar with the story of Ananias and Sapphira? And, uh, you know, why don't you tell the story? They did. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's the cliff note they version. They did. But uh, I guess the question is, a lot of times the story of Ananias and Sapphira gets twisted to say, well, see... They didn't give like they were supposed to, and, and God killed them. And um, But when you look in the Scripture, that's not there's nowhere in Scripture where it says that God killed them. But if you're trying to paint a narrative, that's what God does, and, that's, and you're worried that at any moment the devourer is going to pop out, and he's going to blow up your car, and he's going to pick your wallet, and he's going to get money out of you somehow. And you're, it's, it's, when it comes down to fear, you can take a story in the book of Acts and, and twist that and try to paint that picture. And myself included, I just adopted that that was just kind of part of it. But in reality, that's not. That's in the, in the book of Acts. You're really seeing Luke. He's, he's getting taken in information. He's writing down. He's the one that wrote the book of Acts. And you're getting like a third-person story of stories that are coming to him that he's writing. And we find the story where a husband and a wife died. 
And when they were asked about them giving money, just, you know, giving money that they said they were going to give and they didn't give, and then they died. That's the story. Now, there's nowhere it says that God killed them in the process. And so. the, the problem with coming to that conclusion as well is there would be people dropping dead in churches all over the place. <laughs> like if that, was, if that was what was going on, if we were going to make that you right. know, uh, our doctrine or our mandate, we'd be, we'd be pretty freaked out almost every Sunday, right? <laughs> we'd be like, this keeps right. happening. This is very strange. Well, it's interesting. We demand consistency out of God in every other scenario. But in that scenario, you know, we're just like, God, we want you to be the same all the time, except when it comes to killing people like Ananias and Sapphira, then we just want you to move like the wind. You know what I mean? And uh, that it's, it's interesting that when it comes to a lot of interpretation, particularly in the book of Acts, uh, how inconsistent we are with coming to conclusions about things. Yeah. You know, we will we'll say, oh, well, God killed Ananias and Sapphira, but then we get over in the book of Ephesians and say, well, according to the grace that God gave us, he'd never do that, you know? And it's, I guess hermeneutic and Bible interpretation are always important. Of course, the Bible is not for anybody's private interpretation, which means, side, can I do like a little side thing right real quick? Sidebar. Quick, sidebar real quick, which means you can't say, that means that, that means that I can't hold up the Bible and say only I understand what's being said here. Matter of fact, the Greek word is the word idios, where you get the English word idiot from. It is. One's own is in the Greek language, it's the word idios. So, uh, what were we talking about again? Oh, so with that being said, there's a lot of things that went down in the book of Acts that really only went down one time. You know what I mean? And so, as a result of that, I've personally, me personally, I try not to build a major doctrine or add an, a, a characteristic to God based on like a part of something or one instant. It's kind of like, why did God kill everybody in the Old Testament? Well, that kind of assumes that, you know, like a king goes and kills everybody. And they say, well, God told me to do it. Well, did he? Or did just the king do it and, the, and blame it on God? We never do that. You know, people do it all the time. They do things like God told me to do it. Oh, sure, sure he did. Sure he did. Well, and, and everything that we do, and it's, it's one of the things I do love about our church is we do look at the meta-narrative, the big story of exactly what's going on throughout Scripture, not just in bits and pieces. So, yes. Whoop, hang on, I didn't say whose name, I guess. Carol? <laughs> you, we, want we have one with a dead battery. Yeah, that's all we got. <laughs> Let's, uh, you can go ahead. What, go ahead, Carol, what you got? Loud? Oh, you got one here, okay. Okay. Yeah, that'll be fine. I can hear. Carol, just say it. I'll repeat it. I can hear you. Okay. Uh, we studied uh, Ananias and Sapphira in uh, Women's Fellowship and found a sermon by Greg Henry about it, which is really was encouraging and amazing because it's an upsetting story. But he, had, he said, and it, said, it doesn't say these people were believers. It says a man and a woman. It doesn't call them believers. And his... Uh, through scripture, quoting scriptures from both the Old Testament and the New Testament about how the fear of God rises in people who are not believers when they are confronted with the Holy Spirit and with the power of God. And he believes they died of fear. And uh, he makes a real good argument for it. So hmm. I, think, I, I think that's much more much more reasonable uh, definition of what happened with Ananias and Sapphira. Yeah, yeah I kind of lean that way too. I agree. David? And let's go ahead and make sure, if you don't mind me saying this, too. We will take these questions, but if you do have questions, let's write them down and get them up here just for time's sake. Yeah, David, go ahead. Th there's a couple points of Scripture. Peter makes it very clear that it's not the amount given. He specifically says, the money was yours in the first place. You didn't have to give any of it. Right. The Holy Spirit was moving on everybody to give, and they're the ones who gave. Ananias and Sapphira wanted to fit in socially, so they lied. Peter specifically says, why did you lie to the Holy Spirit? Okay, Jesus said, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is the one sin that will not be forgiven. I take issue with saying God didn't kill them. I also take issue with saying God will kill them all the time. The point is God will do what God will do, and sometimes God kills people. That is very clear in Scripture. The one thing that you're right about is that you can't make a rule about it because God is just, and that's the whole thing about grace. Law says we have to apply the same rules to everybody. Grace says God knows what's in your heart. God will judge you and you specifically by what's in your heart. 
And only God will judge what's in your heart. So even if God did kill Ananias and Sapphira, it does not mean he is not good all the time. It does not mean that you have to be afraid because what is clear from what Jesus said, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. And from what Peter said, the Holy Spirit knows what's going on. There's no fool. You can't say, oh, I didn't really mean that. He knows what you really meant. <laughs> and if you are sincerely looking for something, God is with you. If you, if you seek, you will find. Jesus was very clear about that. And if you don't know, that's okay. What you can't say as a, as a matter of law is if you don't give 100% when everybody else is giving 100% and you only give 50%, God's going to kill you. That's, that is attempting to apply law to the, to the rules of the Holy Spirit. So I don't, I don't believe God didn't kill them. Peter was very clear. You lied to the Holy Spirit, and the men are coming to get you. So... Right. And, you know, in all this stuff, and when we talk about it, it's important to interpret it in light of what we do know rather than what we don't know. Right. And, you know, there's a lot of things that we do know about, particularly about how God relates to man under the, uh, the new covenant. Um, and that, I mean, and there, we talked about this word in the um, meeting beforehand. I'm going to say it. Is that okay? Sure. Dispensationalism? Yeah, that was the first time. Yeah, that was okay. Oh, sorry. I'm jumping the, the gun there. But, um, you know, and if you don't know what that term means, it's just basically a big fancy term that somebody that sat around at a desk and read entirely too many books made up to describe a way that God interacts with man based on his covenants and promises with them. And uh, to boil it down, really, there's God interacts with man on the basis of what that new covenant is based on the finished work of Jesus Christ, bottom line. Everything's interpreted in light of that because we, you can argue about a lot of the different little nuances of how God related to man, like, you know, he related to man by their conscience and the garden and by the law and all that stuff and as it goes. But we know for a fact that God does relate to you and I based on the finished work of Jesus Christ now. We know that. And so when we put those glasses on, that's what we begin to interpret everything from Ananias and Sapphira from all the way back over to do we tithe. And everything in between there uh, comes from that. And Paul really covers a lot of those things. And that's I know myself, I'm very stuck on the Pauline epistles. If you've heard me preach at all, you've noticed that. That's usually where I always tend to go. Because he really, he, he clears the road for us so much. You know what I mean? He just moves everything out of the way so we can see exactly who Jesus is, what he did, how it affects us, and how he leads us as a result of it. Yeah. Write it down, Bill. <laughs> That's fine. Hit okay, it. go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. We'll accept that. We want you to stand up, though. No, sorry, sit down. <laughs> no, sit down. No, go ahead and stand up. <laughs> what I'd like to hear the three of y'all's opinion, however you want to phrase it, is the, the whole idea of um, uh, giving uh, in relation to Malachi, but then also in relation to grace. So I once heard uh, a preacher say, you know, if we're supposed to give 10% under the law, what are we supposed to be doing under grace? In other words, I don't know, I've always felt that um, I've always had a giving nature. And so um, I kind of give whatever God tells me to. And to be honest, sometimes I probably <coughs> I have given too much. But I think God can kind of cover that. So just kind of flesh that out a little bit. So just to cap, just make sure you didn't hear him. He wants to know... Uh, you know, what the opinion is or the biblical reason is for giving, uh, like, under the basis of the Old Covenant in Malachi and under the New Testament based on what Jesus says. I'm going to start? Yeah, that's, you're going to, that's, that's what we're looking at you for. Right. Yeah, that was like your entire sermon, right? Well, you one, this? well, the, well that's, that's the thing. You don't apply New Covenant living the same way you apply law. It's completely different. It, it, you know, Law is like the polar opposite in the fact that law frees you, you know what I mean? Uh, or, I mean, grace frees you, and law does not. Law constricts you and binds you. And, you know, so if I was to say, okay, well, and, and I have no idea. I don't know what the, what the Spirit of God is going to lead you to give. 
You know what I mean? The, the Spirit of God may lead you to give 10%. The Spirit of God may le lead you to give 80%. I don't know. The Spirit of and God it, might just say take your percentages and get rid of them. Right. Um, so it's kind of, it's, it's difficult to, uh, it, it, you can't quantify it, really. Um, it's, it's, um, but that's kind of like what grace is, for example. Grace frees us. And, you know, and that's a good thing, but from a law perspective, it's not. Because you take people that were in church most of their life, and what was keeping them in line was law. It was pressure from the outside. So then you find, you introduce grace, and this same individual goes off the rails, as we would say. Is no longer in church and, and is, is living a life contrary. Now, who usually gets blamed for that? Grace. Grace does. Grace says, well, see... If you just would have stuck to the stuff in the old paths and just would have preached like what they were used to, they would have never have done this. No, what was happening was it had nothing to do with, with Christ or the Spirit of God keeping them where they needed to be. They were finally free to be what they've always really desired, and that was wherever. And, but when you take all those elements off the table and you're finally free and you think, man... I don't have to be at church on Sunday, and I, here I am sitting listening to three idiots talk about the Bible. Whoa, whoa, you mean two idiots? Yes. Idi because, idios. Because, yeah, because yeah, Justin's not an idiot. Right. You know, he's the pastor. So, but here we are. We're here, and we're, we're sharing the Bishop. love of Christ. And we're, sh you know what I mean? So, what's that? No, go ahead. No, we're, we're, being, we're, we're, just being we're just doing our own thing. You okay. keep talking. So I mean, no, I was yeah. gonna say I was gonna I was gonna say you said it better than I could have said it, but I was gonna say the same thing. It's a relational thing, so we, w um, so we don't we don't necessarily quantify how much we give, but we, we we truly discover why we give. So you find a person sitting in, like you said, sitting in church, look, listening to two idioses. Says, says, oh, you're not supposed to agree with that. You're supposed to <laughs> come back and say, no, you're not an idiot. You're not. Thanks. You know, you're not an idiot. I love you. Too much. All right. <laughs> So you find you find a person now. Well, why why am I in, why am I in church? Why am I giving? And that is that is a more important question than. Um, and here's and here's my my concern about compulsory giving or giving just ten percent or 20, whatever it is, um, is that what happens and what I found is, pe people in general, uh, broad term can can give and say, okay, well I've done my I've done my duty. I've done what I'm supposed to do, and now I don't need to do anything else. And that's not just giving. Sometimes that can say, okay, well, I've given my 10%. Right. Now I'm not, I don't really need to, to operate from the Holy Spirit. I don't need to communicate with people the way that the Holy Spirit's leading me to because I've given my 10%. I've used that as my, um, my kind of deposit. I'm good. I'm still good. And, and I found that happens not just with giving but with lots of other things. Is anytime you, you make a law out of something like that, you take away the relationship aspect of it. Right. And so what we want is people to understand why we do what we do, not just do it because we say it's the right thing to do or and this is this this can be difficult too or it's the way that we interpret it or you interpret it now we, we've got to get above that even we've got to say okay you need to communicate with the holy spirit on your own because that is a healthy church and that is a healthy individual that can give from the heart because the holy spirit's leading them to give because and i'll say this real quick but because there's been times when the lord has told me not to give and there's been times when the lord has told me to give in different ways and different instances and different things like that Oh, you're bringing a gift. No. Now, can I, I will say this. Next week, we're going to talk about the numbers here about our, you know, what our budgets are, things, where, where we need to be financially, where we would like to be in the future. And now we, we're doing that. The reason why we're spending so much time on this aspect is because we, we want to be able to present the needs that we have here at the church. And then, then you can formulate a number that you would like to, you know, if our Budget, what is our budget a week? Do you know our weekly budget, our monthly budget? I'm asking the wrong person it's, that question. The weekly is like 1950, I think it is. Yeah, it's about so two whatever grand. it is, we, we want to collectively all understand where we can give to help support that. But that's the thing. The, the thing is, when it comes to our new covenant giving, it doesn't all have to be funneled through the church. That there's going to be times, and hopefully there's times, apart from the church, your giving and your expression of love goes beyond just what you can give through here. And that's the, what, that was kind of, that was a lot different than what I was used to previously in my church experiences. We really 
tried to get everybody to funnel all their resources through the church and then allow the church to distribute you know, how they saw it need. Now, granted, the church I was part of was more partial to its immediate needs than it was your neighbor's power bill, you know what I mean? But, you know, that was kind of the idea. It was like, it was like a spiritual money laundering system. <laughs> I don't know any, you know, I, I don't know hey, any, any other way to, to put it, but that's, that's what it was. And we, that's what we say. We've heard, we've heard God the Father preached like the Godfather. The Godfather. He's going to get his. If bring you your lottery it. money. We'll right. launder it. Launder and it'll <laughs> go out sanctified. Whitewash it, you know. Well, Drug you know, money, bring it, we'll wander it. <laughs> that scratch after Slow the down. podcast. So. Well, you know, First uh, Corinthians, I think it's First Corinthians, right, where Paul says as a, you know, we're not to give grudgingly, but as we purposed in our hearts. And uh, that just makes me think this, that, again, based on that new covenant, you can trust your heart, that heart that God has regenerated within you, to, you know, receive instruction from the Holy Spirit of God to say, hey, this is what I want you to do. Now, some people, some of us, are, our minds are more mathematically calculated. And they're just like, hey, I'm going to give 10.734533333 with a line over it percent. Fine, whatever. You know, the Holy Spirit knows how to communicate to you. Right. You know, I'm not that way. He's going to he's gonna have to say, all right, it's $50 this week. All right, that's $120. All right, don't give it to the plate. Go give it to that person. All right, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. The other thing is, too, when it comes down to this heartfelt giving or this heart-purposed giving, um, really there is absolute, and I'm not saying that God press, pushes us just to stress us out. I don't think that's what he does. But there is zero, absolutely zero risk in living by the law. There's none. We're, we don't have a faith life risk. I don't want to say risk like we're putting everything in danger, but living by faith feels like we're taking risks sometimes, doesn't it? Right. When God says, I want you to do this, or I'm leading you to go this way, it feels risky, you know, because we're like, I don't know about that. You know what I mean? And so God comes along and he says, I want you to give based on what I'm saying because I'm the one that gave it to you to begin with. Right. I'm the one that's going to give it to you next week and next month and next year. So why don't you give based off of what I say and let me worry about the fallout. Um, because we all have built into our brains the desire to be, you know, control freaks. That's just the bottom line. See, so you, you're are. hitting on exactly what I wanted the three of you to, to, to hit on. And, and to, to me, it's always been about surrender. Right. Um, and trust, too. And trust. At the end of the day, as human beings, everything would go much better if we would just surrender everything to God and let him show us what we're supposed to be doing. Now, obviously, within that, you've got to be uh, careful to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and to listen to him. But I even honestly think that, that even if sometimes you go a little bit too far, it would be better to go a little bit too far, and God's going to honor that anyway. So. Yeah. Well, I think when I used when I would sit down with people and try to implement tithing in their daily practice, and ones that made an effort to do it would usually come back and say, "Well, yeah, man, the Lord's blessing my finances." But really, from a practical standpoint, most of them never took the time to even look or pay attention to their finances in general. They now, when tithing forces you to look at the numbers and pay close attention to them. And I'm going to tell you right now, anybody in here, if you look at the numbers and pay close attention to them and what's going in and what's going out, by default, your, fi your finances will seem to be more blessed and your finances will get better because you're paying attention to the numbers. Now, that was just a, that's just good finance. That has nothing to do with God blessing so much your finances. Just for the first time, you were looking at it, paying attention to it, trying to figure out what would my tithe actually be. And you're, I mean, when I was growing up, I remember in college, every time I would swipe my bank card, I'd hear a drum roll in the back of my mind. <laughs> you know what I mean? If it went through, yes, God's good. You know what I mean? And I was, I called myself tithing and giving, but I, my finances sucked. I was doing that just yesterday. <laughs> I heard more like that drum roll, it's the death dirge, you know, right? Before yeah. they take somebody to the guillotine, that's right. what I heard. And I tell you, this, this is... It's funny you mentioned that because what's happened with us talking about it is I begin to pray about it personally, and I've started to look at, well, how am I giving? You know, how it's, it's, it's had me examine my own heart and how I give. 
and what that looks like even within our church. And so it's, it's really cool how that, how it wasn't planned at all. I just, I started praying about it, started thinking about it and looking at finances and going, okay, well, there's some things that I need to move and change right. and, and do some different things. And it was all just because I'm, I'm growing closer to the Lord and he's showing me I need to do some things a little bit differently. And the desire to want to give has, would drive you to make adjustments to your finances. Well, it's, it's relational too. Right. And it puts you, and just like Bill was saying, sometimes you do too much, but God honors that when you... If we look at it as the parallel in a relationship, when we, when, we, when we show affection, when we give people love, when we show people love even when they don't deserve it, we're always rewarded by that even when we're not expecting it. We're not doing it so that we get something. Right. But it's an overflow of that. I think giving's the same way. When you begin to give because God is a giver, when you begin to give, you're blessed by it, not necessarily by money, but you're just blessed by it. It's like, wow, this is really good. Right. This well, is- you know, it's even what Paul said over in First uh, Thessalonians when he said, let the let the uh, spirit of God rule in your heart or umpire in your heart. Again, there's that heart connection. And uh, I think that if we're not careful, we'll kind of overlook the bigger picture of New Testament here because we're talking about dollar-dollar bills, y'all. You know what I mean? To an extent. And so, But the, the overall theme, that's right, make it rain. The overall theme <laughs> of the, the New Covenant is, is, is not, doesn't have a price tag on it for us. It had the price tag on it for God. And what Christ has paid in order for us to be what he desires for you and I to be. When we're givers, we're going to be givers across the board. You know, it, that's just the way, that, the way that it is. That's the way the Holy Spirit is God. He's going to lead us to give away what, he's, what he has put into us, what he is ministering to us. He's going to then turn around and lead us to give it away. So you can't give away something you don't have. or You right. can't give away something you don't know that you have. And so it's important to understand because the, the essence of the new covenant is the fact that God has given us divine life. That divine life by default gives. In every, in every scenario and in every situation, it right. gives. And it gives like Jesus told the Samaritan woman, you know. He goes, uh, you know, I've got a well where you can get water out of. And, you'll, and it's very, I think it's very interesting we overlook it. Jesus said you'll never thirst again. So he's saying, I've got something to give you that's going to meet the needs so fully, you're never going to go back looking for something else. That's right. what sin is. Sin is right. bypassing. We take the, the drink of eternal life where we don't have to look for anything else. Sin's bypassing that provision and going to provide for ourselves right. in some way. You know, right. It can be really clean and neat looking, or it can be dark, nasty, dirty, and filthy, and you don't want anybody to know about it. But really, it's all filthy, isn't it? Right. Because it's all not Christ. Hi, Charles. Are you waving at us because you think we're nice? Or no. you? Oh, okay. We give because he gives. And Correct. The thing, you know, I told the story another time. But we were getting an air conditioner. And I was sitting there trying to figure out how we want to pay for it. And the guy's there in needs, uh, you know, uh, the stuff, but, you know, it's like two Worth of, worth of it. And it's like, okay, this air conditioner may not last. This thing is not going to last this summer. This one is not going to And I'm sitting there, I don't know how I'm going to pay for it. All of a sudden, the piece of God hit me, and it was, get it now. But I can't get it now. Okay? So I looked at God and said, we're doing this. And he looked at me like, like I was strange too, but just to look at my face, I mean, I guess because it was just, I was set at the exception with it, not knowing what it was. But behind the scenes and everything, God was arranging for me to get a pay raise that almost to the cent covered what we had to pay for the air conditioning. Now that was, and I'll tell you what, that once makes me want to give because my daddy did. My daddy took care of me and took care of us and uh, had a happy wife and and child who did him. Jesus was just protecting your life because if your wife's hot and upset, you're dead meat, man. <laughs> yeah. So it, it just, but it, it just it, because he gives, gives, we and we want to, um, we want to be like him. We want to give. And it's tr- I think it's trust. I mean, you, we when we when we really trust the Lord, we don't try to shortcut His Holy Spirit and do these things on our own. 
And I think that's where we try to revert back to law and say, okay, well, we can do this. I, I don't have time to really wait. Although the Lord was doing things behind the scenes, it's saying, well, I don't, I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of force his hand. I'm going to go ahead and take care of this. And we see how that works out throughout scripture when we do that. Um, but it's trusting in him for his provision, for his promotion. And law is very measurable. Right. In the sense that, you know, like if it comes from giving 10% or it comes to you handing out a gospel track or it comes to how many chapters a day you read to keep the devil away and all that stuff. What we can do, what we have the tendency to do is to do those things and then look back at ourselves and say, I'm not doing too bad. You know, I mean, I read one proverb and I read the whole proverbs in a month and I read four chapters in Psalms. I read that in a month, you know. Then I'd read two chapters out of the New Testament, one chapter out of the Old, though I really hated Leviticus, but I muscled my way through it anyway. <laughs> and what we do is we do all those things, and I go to church, and I give, and I, and I hug people, and I'm nice. And, then, you know, we've got all, in different church cultures, it's all different what the emphasis is. I, I'm, if I try to list everything, I'll miss it. The point being this is that what we tend to, what the legalistic mindset has a tendency to do is take behavior and experience put them together, tack it onto ourselves, and say, look, I'm not doing too bad. It either makes us feel good about ourselves, which we don't even need those things to feel good about ourselves if we know what the gospel is, right. you know, or is to ma- impress another person, which is really is self-righteousness in both ways. Any kind of attempt to gain righteousness through behavior, attitude, and experience is self-righteousness. Right. It's not the righteousness of Jesus Christ, which is the essence of the new covenant. And I, I was reminded as you were talking to the scripture that says, depart from me, I never knew you. It says, Lord, didn't we do all these things? Didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we do all these? And we all get caught up in there. Oh, we don't want to be those guys. Right. But here's the thing. The emphasis was, I, I want to know you. Right. He wants to know you. He wants to hear from you. He wants to speak to you and listen. And he wants a relationship with you. So the emphasis isn't just on the depart from me part. He's, I want to know you. I don't. It's not about the things you do. It's about our relationship. And that... That requires of us trust because we step out on a limb there and we open ourselves up. And so it's, it's the same way. And we don't want to talk about giving the whole time, but um, we kind of did. <laughs> um, but go ahead. You got to say? No. Well, we did get one. One. Have you looked at any of these? No. I looked at I looked Romans. it up and I clicked. Yeah, you just tell us where we're at. That's good. Uh, looking, looking for giving through the lens of Romans 13.10. Uh, did you? I didn't. Well, I already put my new King James away. Oh, I've got it right Close here. cousin of the King James. Uh, Romans thirteen ten says, love does not harm, does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. And this is in light of giving, right? Yeah, right. giving through this lens. Um, well, I mean, the bottom line is, is if, you keep all, if you keep the law, the best that you've done for anybody is not take advantage of them. That's it. You know what I mean? You've not killed them. You've not stole their goat. You've not you know, coveted, covet, their coveted their, their stuff. or I mean, that's, that's all you've, you've done is just been a decent human being. You haven't benefited their lives in any way. I see that hand. Yeah, that's, that's kind of our theme verse here, Matthew 22. Love God, love one another. And in so doing, you fulfill all the law and the prophets. Correct. Love is the thing that, has, that makes these things happen. So that's, you know. Right. It's, it's, it, love is the, the gas that makes it work. Right. You know what I mean? I mean, if we just simply say I'm going to keep the Ten Commandments, I'm really not going to have any positive interaction with you. I've got a, I've got a neighbor. Uh, they live kind of, you know, two houses down to the left. I've never talked to the people in my life. I, they've never hurt me. They, he even keeps his grass cut. He doesn't have any broke-down cars in his front yard. I mean, or a porta potty for that matter. And so, I mean, he's really helping the neighborhood out. You know what I mean? But... He's, I mean, I've never done anything for him, and he's never done any, I've never murdered him. Look, my porta potty self in the neighborhood out there. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> All right, somebody's got to take over now. I'm done. I'm finished. Help your neighbor like Ben. Help your neighbor like Ben does. Everybody get a porta potty, leave some gospel tracks in it. I well, I think Galatians 5 says the same thing. Paul mentions the very same thing. When he talks about the, uh, you know, that w- when you love, you fulfill the law. Right. But that's the ultimate goal. I think you said this one time, just because you don't murder somebody doesn't mean you've loved them. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Unless you're in traffic on Airport <laughs> Boulevard, and then yes, right. you did love them. <laughs> so love is not just looking for the limit. Love just right. 
goes beyond that. That's the that's the idea. And that's kind of where we wanted to end up, and we're we're kind of wrapping up now because we're getting close to to wearing out our children's church workers, but. Uh, <laughs> they're back there loving us. No, they're loving not us. murdering us. No, right. <laughs> but uh, but where we kind of wanted to end up with that too is that that love really does is the glue that keeps all this together because um, something we one of the questions we did have that we didn't really even get to is about um, kind of modern operation of the gifts. Do we believe in the modern operation of the gifts? Well, yes, of course we do. One of them's teaching, and we teach every Sunday. But there are lots of other ones that are really really good, and of course we believe in the modern operation of the gifts. But here's the thing. Um, what those look like to individuals is different. And it says clearly in, in 1 Corinthians that God gives those out to who he pleases. And it's not up to us to determine what exactly what those look like and create some doctrine around them. The doctrine we create is love that covers all the diversity that, that is in our church and in every other church. Amen. And is, is what creates the hands and the feet and the eyes and the ears and creates all the people that can encourage one another that are gifted in different areas. It's kind of like we were talking about, you know, with the, the variation of gifts, particularly while we were this morning. One of the gifts is it, we were making kind of, believe it or not, we were kind of making jokes while we were in there too. But uh, I wasn't. No, you were being serious because you are the bishop of our souls. But uh, <laughs> you, you'd have to be here on a Wednesday night to fully appreciate that. And uh, so we were talking, one of the gifts of the Spirit is administration. And, you know, I made a joke. I said, man, the Holy Ghost fell on me. I just went to Google Calendar and made a church schedule for like two years. <laughs> you know what I mean? I just, I, exactly, right? Exactly. Please, please do please that. Do that, that right? was one of the other questions. <laughs> just suddenly I began to organize things left and right by the power of God, you know? But then we realized I wouldn't be living by faith. No, we're not. <laughs> And then we were in this conundrum in our conversation. I think we ended up looking at YouTube videos about cats. But the best kept secrets what we're doing next. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> but it's true though. They're, you know, they're like Justin was saying, there's the, the body is so diverse. The body of Christ has got so many different, you know, just just intricacies to it, you know. And I mean you we can make the comparison to the physical body all day long. But I'm glad every one of us in here, our gift is not administration. You, you, could you imagine? Well, we've already went over time here already. If all of our gifts were administration, we, I would have given you like a six-point outline with 13 fill-in-the-blanks. Uh, you know, don't even think about raising your hand. Nuh-uh, no, this is the administration. Bam, 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 bam. We got things to do. We couldn't live with a bullet-pouring spirituality like that. But yet at the same time, we can't always be like Leonard Skinner's free bird, you know what I mean? Because then it's just absolute chaos at all points. God has put in the body, you know, various giftings as in the particular, like we said in the meeting, um, as he wills. And this, and this is my soapbox, and I guess we can kind of wrap up on this, yeah, but it's the, the same thing that should be, ca- be causing sustenance and growth in maturity in, in, in the, the big C church, the body of believers across the globe is the same thing that divides us as, as far as denominations go. And it's that people are gifted in different areas and we want to create these bubbles, which none of us grow because we all just nod our heads and agree, right? right. What's great about the church is we are diverse. <laughs> That's what's great about it. The, the, the greatest thing about church is being filtered out and separated which should be coming together and growing together and 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 letting love lead sticking our chins out and letting love lead in how we operate not running and hiding around people that agree with everything that we say right that's to me that's real church that's real christianity is looking past any differences and and still coming together through love and that that to me is a mature christian right and we're or simplifying it where we all are in agreement is christ is enough that's that's what that's the very foundation on which we stand, which which is Christ. And it, there would be a time I would I would argue with somebody else's experience that differed from mine, and I would take offense, or I would even be threatened because their experience is different than mine. But now that it's about Christ, I'm not. It doesn't bother me one bit. I'm not threatened. Matter of fact, I'm excited to hear it. I, I you know what I mean. I would love. To hear what the Lord has done with you, who the Lord, who you've seen healed, raised from the dead, you know what I mean, speaking in tongue, whatever it is, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to embrace your experience that you have because I, I you know, I, because at the end of the day, I'm not threatened by your, if your experience is different than mine, nor do I want you threatened by my experience because what, it's on Christ that we stand in his finished work. Amen. That's what it's about, Amen. so. The. The fact of the matter is, is that God's designed the body 
to where we need one another with the gifts that we have. This is just the bottom line. Not need in the sense that we're deficient, but I guess maybe need's not the word. He's designed us to function together. You know what I mean? That's probably the best way to look at it. I mean, there's one builds on the other. Um, you know, people come and go out of a local fellowship. I mean, everybody's got a circulatory system. I mean, things move, things change, you know. Um, you know, every, we grow at different levels, not levels, but we grow at different speeds, maybe I should say that. We understand things at different times. We, we, we're we just not the same type of people. And what I'm so glad about, because my religious background was, is very similar to Ben's, it's very rigid, you know. Um, mine was more about uniformity and conformity than anything else. Um, and, uh, you know, we don't, we, we don't want, we want unity. We don't want uniformity and conformity. We don't want that. That's, that's, if you want that, go join the Marines, all right? <laughs> uh, but when I come to church on, the, on Sunday mornings, I get to, excuse me, I'm just contradicting myself. When I gather together with the church on Sunday mornings, uh, I don't expect to be, you know, drilled with, you know, give me 20 spiritual push-ups, you know, sometimes I come in here and I'm, I'm pretty discouraged. Sometimes I'm super excited. So I'm a very emotional person. I know that doesn't strike you as true, but I actually am. I just, for some reason, I don't cry. I don't know what it is. Every now and then. I'll pray for you. You will? You Thank you, my brother. <laughs> I mean, I cried at the end of Die Hard, of course. What self-respecting man wouldn't? You know, at the, in the middle of Gladiator, yes, I cried. You know, good night. I'm not an animal. But... Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, but all that stuff, I'm saying all that to say this. Every one of us are the way that we are because God has gifted us a certain way. Don't get upset because Joe Blow across the aisle isn't, his gifting and his attitude about things isn't like yours. Just accept the fact that that's the way that they are. And there's going to come a day when you need that tight-lipped, closed-mouthed, stoic, you know, person to come up to you and say something matter-of-fact. And that's what God's going to speak to you through. Awesome. I think that's all we got. That's all we got time for anyway. That's all we have time for. We have have lots more to to talk about. Aren't we supposed to pray? Yeah. Okay. You want to pray? No, sir. Uh -uh. I did that this week already. All right. I'm going to pray. All right. Good job. I'll pray for you to cry. (laughs) Father, I just thank you. (laughs) I just thank you that we are diverse, Lord. I just thank you that we are a family. And Father, I just thank you that we, um, we can come together and focus on you, Lord, that we don't we don't have to pick apart the gospel, Lord, but we accept it for the truth that it is, and we accept you for who you are. And so, Father, we thank you that you lead us in everything that we do. And so, Lord, as we as we talk about and we lead up to our, our budget um, and giving and, and New Covenant Christianity and all that entails, Lord, we just pray that you be the focus of it all. Lord, we're not looking for steps to gain anything. Lord, we are fulfilled in you always. In Jesus' name, amen.